Okay, so on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Hollers. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Zach, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be with you. Yeah, Coach. Uh, and we connected. I, saw, I shot you an email, and you were gracious enough to respond. And, you know, Coach, I don't do any social media, so that's how I reach out to coaches is just, the old, I guess, the old school way of just email, <laughs> emailing people and asking them for, for advice and help. No, I'm I'm a lot like you. Uh, I'm not real prominent on the social media scene, and you know it's always great to talk football with other coaches. You know, I I learn from others, and hopefully, I have a chance to share some things I've learned from others. So it's always great to talk football with other coaches. Absolutely, coach. Coach, if you don't mind, would you please give a little bit of background about yourself for our listeners, then we'll we'll go from there. Sure. Uh, I just finished my 32nd year of coaching. Uh, I was very fortunate and blessed to be born into a family with some football coaches that had a great influence on me. Uh, I grew up in a small town about 15 miles west of Cleveland called Avon. And uh, growing up there, my great uncle was the head coach at a school called Brexville High School. He was the head coach there for 26 years. And uh, his final year, I believe it was 1983, they won the state championship. Tom Tupa uh, was his quarterback. And uh, just growing up as a kid, Uncle Joe Vadini was kind of a hero. And the reason I say that is I just watched how people respected him. And I saw the influence he had on young people's lives. And as a young kid, that made an impression on me. Uh, my other uncle uh, is a guy named Dan DeRazio. And uh, Dan and I, fortunately, we got to coach together uh, for a few years there at North Olmsted High School in Ohio. But both of those guys, I think, were great role models in terms of how a coach is supposed to act uh, on and off the field. And, you know, it wasn't just about winning. They were both successful coaches on the field winning-wise, but they were men of character. and you know, it became apparent to me that this profession is about influencing young people's lives and using football as a vehicle to do that. So they had a great impact on me. Uh, I started out in Ohio. I worked for some great people. And I, I would start Zach saying that, you know, I'm where I'm at today because of great people. I, I worked for a guy named Mike Vickers uh, at Ada High School. Um, Zach, I was a college football player. I had two surgeries on my shoulder. Uh, after the second surgery, our AD said, Hey, Ada high school needs a coach. Why don't you get down there? His son was the quarterback and, you know, coach Vickers mm -hmm. was going to give this 20 year old kid a chance to be on his staff and, uh, work for a guy named Todd Alice, uh, at Perkins high school. And Todd's just been a tremendous resource for me. Uh, Todd was uh, probably the most organized guy I've ever worked for. And uh, again, all these guys taught you football, but they were teaching you how to do things right in the community and with kids. I uh, got to work with another guy I'd mentioned is a guy named Barry Streeter. I coached for Barry at Gettysburg College. Uh, learned a lot of football. Uh, you know, Coach Streeter was a wing tee guy at the college level. And we learned a lot of football. But uh, just again, Coach Streeter is just a man that, you know, he, he walked his faith. He was a guy that his faith was very important to him. And, uh, you know, you know, it was the first place I worked where you weren't allowed to have any profanity on the field. 
Oh, wow. Right. That. And, uh, it just, all these guys kind of, you know, showed you how to do things the right way. So, Mm. uh, my family and I moved to Georgia seven years ago and, um, it's, it's been a good deal for us. I was at North cop Christian for five years and then I'm, you know, honored and humbled to be the head coach at commerce right now. Um, Commerce is a great place. It's a small single A school in Northeast Georgia. We're about oh, a half hour from Athens, a place of great tradition. You know, you know a little bit about Georgia football, mm-hmm. but there's two legends that came from here. You know, Coach Lamb, Ray Lamb, and the Lamb family is legendary here in Georgia. And then Coach Steve Savage, both of them were the head coach here for 22 years. Both of them each won a state championship. And uh, it's an honor to be the coach of this community. Coach, that's awesome. So, Coach Streeter, was his son Brandon Streeter? It is. Yes, sir. Okay. So, Coach, the world gets smaller every day, I promise. So, Brandon Streeter, who's now the OC at Clemson. Yes, sir. Was our quarterback's coach when I played at Liberty. Wow. And he would talk about going to see his dad at Gettysburg. And when you said that, I said, oh, my gosh, that brings back – that just snapped in my head. <laughs> that's That's wild. They're good people. Mm-hmm. No doubt. I loved Coach Streeter, uh, Brandon Streeter. He he was a really good coach, is a good coach. He's OC at Clemson, obviously. He's really good at what he what he does. Uh so coach, where were you before you were you were at Georgia? Uh you were in you were at Gettysburg and you went to Georgia. How did that how did that work for you? No, you know, we were in Ohio and uh my wife and I, when we coached at Gettysburg, really fell in love with the DC area. Mm-hmm. And uh, never thought this would happen, but we moved out there, and we 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 both taught at a school called Bullis. Uh, Bullis okay. is in Potomac, Maryland. Um, you know, I was an assistant coach there, and I was not the head coach. A guy named Pat Salento has done a great job there at Bullis, but we were there for five years. Uh, you know, we had some great players there. Dwayne Haskins was our quarterback. Mm. Uh, some other great football players there. And uh, to be honest with you, coming to Georgia was a God thing. Um, you know, a guy I worked for at Gettysburg uh, knew a, a guy from Florida that just took the North Cobb Christian job and he was looking for a line coach. And at that point, I did not want to be a head coach. I really wanted to spend time with my family. I felt it was with my kid's age, it was the right time to do that. And heck, coach, we were in Georgia 30 days and uh had played our first scrimmage at North Cobb Christian and our head coach left oh wow asked asked me to be the head coach and it was it was tough uh North Cobb Christian really didn't have a a tradition there I think I think we were 18 and 82 coach in the first 10 years of the program oh my gosh and uh God blessed our labors there he really did we had great kids great coaches a great community and uh you know, we were able to make the Elite Eight uh, year three and uh, had a really strong finish there. But uh, it was a God thing that brought us down here. Mm. That's awesome. When I was at Elka, we played North Cobb Christian in a JV game. And I thought to myself, I think that was 2014. And I thought to myself, man, there's some there's some good looking kids here. They're just young. I guess they had just, I mean, they hadn't just started the program, but they were, y'all were starting to turn around there. Yeah, it was just, uh, there wasn't a football culture in place. Um, you know, a lot of coaches had come and gone. Mm-hmm. And basically, someone just needed to stay, Zach. It's just, you know, 
plant mm-hmm. some roots and, you know, run the same offense, run the same defense. They had had so much turnover and we had some very good football players that bought into what we were trying to do. And again, God blessed our efforts, but it was a lot of fun. Mm. That's awesome, coach. So coach, talk about your philosophy as a head coach. What do you, what do you believe in? I know we've talked about that, but for the listener, what do you believe in and how do you go about doing it? Well, I think, you know, all of us want to win every football game and all of us, you know, want to be playing at the end of the season, be the last team standing. But the reality is that's only one team a year doing that. And we're living in a day and age where it seems like we've lost our way a little bit in, in terms of, you know, if there's only one team standing, does that mean everybody else is not successful? And I, I hope that we're doing more than football. I hope we're building young men. Uh, that can go out in the community and be successful, be, you know, contributing members of their community, uh, good husbands, good fathers. And football, you know, I'm, I'm telling you stuff and the other coaches know we all do this because we think football is a vehicle that can help these young men learn those skills. Uh, you know, we're living in a day and age where people quit pretty easily. Uh, we don't persevere. Um, we're pretty selfish and Football is the anti to all those things. You know, the only way you can succeed in this game is to be a team and uh, work together for a common goal and persevere through adversity. So as a coach, you know, our main goal is to use football as a vehicle to help young men become better people. And, And Zach, I really believe this. Every kid has value. I mean, every single kid in your program has value. And you know, and I know that there's some kids that, you know, they may not help you on Friday night always, but uh, that doesn't mean football shouldn't be an experience for them that, you know, they, they don't, they obviously get, hopefully get better as a football player, but, you know, they, they, they get better as a young man. So if, if we're doing that, I think the football part will tend to take care of itself. And you know this, you got to have talent to win. Uh, you know, good coaches have good football players and, you know, our job is to hopefully get these kids bigger, faster, stronger and put them in positions where they they can succeed on the football field. But what I've learned is the more you win, the more likely they are to listen to you about the other things that are important in life. Hmm. And yeah, and that's the balance, isn't it? That's that's it. Trying to we want to win. We want to be successful. We want to develop young men. And I know for me, it's hard to not be all about trying to win <laughs> and man coach how do you how do you handle that because I know for me I can I can be not winning at all costs but man we just I, I want to win so bad I don't see the other things no I think that applies to all of us Zach I mean here's the reality you know we're we're expected to win and winning is important um mm. it's very important that we do that but I think there's a way you can do that with the proper sportsmanship. I think there's a way you can do that, you know, with class and uh, still teach young men, you know, how to do things the right way. But the balance part is very hard. I think as a young coach, I struggled and I had to learn this uh, the hard way, but, you know, obviously coaching takes a lot of your time. It's something you're passionate about. Uh, You know, you're putting your whole, heart and effort into it, your wife and family's behind it, you know, it, it, it kind of takes up your whole family life. And, uh, 
I had to learn, though, football coaching was something I did. It's not who I am. And that was a hard lesson for me because, Zach, it got to a point. I remember we were at North Olmsted High School, and uh, North Olmsted's on the west side of Cleveland, and we were in a region with Cleveland St. Ignatius, Cleveland St. Edwards, Glenville. These are national powers, and, you know, here we go, eight and two, Zach, and we can't even make the playoffs. And if I was in any other region in Ohio, I would have been hosting the game, but to get into playoffs in that region was very difficult. And I got frustrated. Um, you know, I, I remember being seven and three one year and just miserable, like totally miserable. Mm. Kind of had to check myself a little bit saying, okay, hey, you know, we still had success. We got a lot out of the kids we had. And I just felt like, okay, if we don't go win a state championship, we, we have, we failed here. And uh, I think you got to be careful about keeping that balance of, making sure you know this is something I do. It's not who I am because if you tie yourself worth to it, it can be, I think it can be a dangerous thing, to be honest with you. It can get you out of balance, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I have, and you, I'm sure you have similar stories and people that have told you their story. I have, I have friends that completely burned out, just, just hit the wall and went and did something else and then came back in the, in the coaching but they, early in my career, they warned me, hey, you can't, this can't be who you are. But it, it, sometimes it becomes that, and I'm just admitting that on the, on the podcast. And it's good to hear men like yourself who I admire talk about finding, finding that balance. What are ways that you do that, Coach? How do you, how do, you do that during the season when, it, when, the, when it's, when it's going, going tough sometimes? Well, I – I think it's easier said than done. I, I will say that because we're all competitive people. And, you know, uh, if you allow yourself, you know, I, I think all of us, you know, we'll watch more film. We'll, you know, we'll get the, you know, want to do that extra session with the coach or an extra session with the kid. And, you know, the next thing you know, you're never home or uh, you're burning out. Like you said, um, I think it's important that you have some kind of balance with your coaches because, They've got to have energy on the field, Zach. That, to me, that's one of the most important things. Your coaches have to have energy on the field. Mm. And, you know, I've been a part of staffs where, heck, I mean, we, we met all the time. And, uh, you know, it got to the point where I don't know how productive it was. And then you start to notice how that, that was impacting coaches' energy level on the field. So the – for a long time there, I never met on Sundays. You know, we did all of our meetings on Saturdays and then uh, kind of had a virtual meeting on Sunday night with the staff, but I kind of felt that gave them energy, uh, you know, to have that one day off, to be with their families, go to church, just kind of unplug a little bit. I know guys were doing work on their own, but you weren't sitting in the office for, you know, eight, 10 hours that Sunday. Um, but I, I think you got to, like, I know for me, Zach, I got to find ways to do better on taking care of myself, exercising, mm. even if it's just going for a 30 minute walk after practice, or I think those are things you can do, or you set aside time that, Hey, I'm going to go home and make it home for dinner. And when I get home for dinner, I'm going to turn my phone off. And I think that's the big thing from being a young coach to now, when I first started coaching, we didn't have social media, we didn't have cell phones and you weren't getting interrupted at home where now I think, you know, this, you know, if you have that phone on, there's there's something there for you every night. And mm -hmm. uh, you got to kind of protect that time at home. And I don't always do great with it. But, uh, 
you know, something you're working on. And look, we just finished here with the six and five season. We got knocked out in the first round of the playoffs by a good team called Tryon, but it's extremely disappointing. It, Zach, it took me, I mean, I'm not over it yet. I'm still wrestling with it. And mm-hmm. our community has high expectations. And we played a lot of young kids. And, um, you know, we're going to be fine in the future. we got a ton of young kids coming back. But to answer your question, I think it's a constant battle, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm very disappointed in how we finished this year. And, you know, you wanted to go on a deep playoff run. And when it doesn't happen, you you tend to, you know, I'm not going to blame players or coaches. That You look at yourself and you internalize those things and you want to work harder. And, you know, I think you just got to work hard to keep that balance and keep that perspective so you don't burn out. Yeah, Coach, that is that is great, great wisdom. Uh, you know, talking about not meeting on on Sundays, we we here don't meet on Saturday or Sunday as a staff. We I, we can text, we can call on the phone, uh, make huddle cut ups. Uh, that's a boundary for me personally. And, and Western here coaching in, in West Virginia is different than Georgia. I definitely <laughs> that is definitely I agree with that a hundred percent. But that is something that I had to do for me, and it it helped us this year. I think we play with more energy it's because our coaches had more energy, like you were saying, give them some time to be with their family, and because that's a that's a fine balance, isn't it, coach? Because you want to be the most prepared team, but you also want to be a team that is is fresh on on Friday, and that's everybody, players and and coaches. No, no doubt about it, Zach. It's it is a real fine line there, and. This year, we we used to meet always on Saturdays, not on Sundays. When I took this job, you know, they're kind of, they were entrenched on Sundays. Mm-hmm. So I tried meeting on Saturdays year one. This year, I gave the coaches Saturdays off. And we, you know, we brought, brought them in Sunday evenings. Um, you know, something I'm going to evaluate moving forward. But definitely, whatever it is, it's going to be one day only. Mm-hmm. And, you know, your your point on preparation is so so critical. Uh, you know, everybody wants to have a voice in how things are going, and everybody wants to, you know, impact the game plan. And you know, I I think I, I'm noticing this in young coaches. Like, you know, you got to put the time in. There's mm-hmm. there's no shortcuts on that. And I think sometimes my coaches will get frustrated with me, and you know. Hey, why aren't we doing this or why aren't we doing that? And then sometimes I'll say, well, how much film did you watch? Did you just watch a couple clips? And, you know, so I think, I think there's a fine line. I think we as older coaches have a responsibility too to share with the young coaches. I learned that from other guys. I mean, I was a young coach that, you know, I thought I knew what we should be doing and I didn't study film when I was a young kid like I do now. And so there's a fine line there. And that's that balance you're talking about. And I think it's being, I think it's being efficient with your film study, not just, you know, you get in there, you get good at watching film, you know what you're looking for and you get that work done so that, you know, you got good answers. You you feel good about what you studied, Um, but there's no shortcut on it, as you know, and uh, I'm trying to keep a balance where my coaches are prepared and you make them, you know, you want to listen to them, you want them to be part of it. And at the same time, you want them to understand, Hey, there's a lot of preparation that goes into it. So it's, I think it's a constant struggle. Mm. I was talking to Coach Jeff Heron. This is, I think, two years ago. He was on he was on the podcast. And for listeners that don't know, Coach Heron was a head coach at Camden County, 
they won like three state championships and then he came back and he's there now. I was talking to him when he was at Prince Avenue and then this in, in person after I was leaving Elka and he told me that when he watches film, he's just looking forward to your point. He's just looking for, okay, how do they play the outside runs? How do they play the inside runs and basically what's their safety structure? And that was it. Yep. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I've been, sp- <laughs> I've been spending hours looking at every position and that's what he does. He just come, he'd come in, okay, how they play the edge, how they play trap, what's their safety structure. This is my game plan. And I thought, Oh my gosh, that's what I want to get to right there, you know? And that and, takes time though. I mean, coach didn't start out that way. Right. You know, it does take time, but I think being efficient really matters. And, you know, cause sometimes you can't overdo it and mm. you can cloud the picture and to your point and what we said earlier, you can, you can spend all that time and you, all of a sudden you have no energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it's paralysis by analysis. I, I can find myself doing that. Uh, I look at too many things, too much data. Yeah, I, no, I think that's a big point right there. We, we're pretty simple here. And, you know, we have an identity and we're not going to change that identity. Are there little tweaks we have to make because certain people do certain things, but mm-hmm. well, we're still going to hang our hat on what we believe in. And, you know, like you mentioned trap there, traps, one of our base plays and we're going to run trap every week and, you know, okay. If they take away trap, what's our answer? But, uh, I think your point about paralysis through analysis is a really good one because you can overthink things at times. And mm. sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, you know, it's not what we can handle. It's what can our kids handle? Yeah. Oh, coach, coach expound on that, please. So I, how do you figure that out? Cause I've, I'm always thinking how do how much can they handle? Is there some, is it a feel thing for you? Is there, do you give tests? How do you, how do you do that? You know, Zach, I think, I think each I've learned each group is different. Mm. There are some groups that you can really give them a lot mentally. Um, my last couple of years at North Cobb Christian, we got pretty exotic on defense and did some things that I could not have done with groups before. Mm. It would be hard to do. They just were a unique group. They were, they just were football smart and picked things up extremely quickly. And they studied film as well. So I think each group is different and you have to know that. Um, sometimes you have kids that just need to line up and play and they're going to play faster if you keep it simpler. And, I, and I've had to adjust to that here at Commerce. I, you know, um, each, each group is different and uh, it doesn't make one group better or worse than the other. It's just knowing their strengths. And, you know, I think that's important as a coach trying to suit what you're doing to their strengths. So, I mean, Commerce here has been running the option for 50 years and I ran the triple for a long time and came here planning on running it. And Zach, we had to make some changes. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we were one and two in our first three games and we just, you know, in all fairness to the kids, we had a quarterback who hadn't played a whole lot of quarterback in that offense, didn't get a lot of reps. And uh, we switched to the eye and we had some eye tailbacks and, you know, we kept it simple and, you know, things took off from there. So I, I do think it's predicated on what your kids can do and knowing what your kids are good at. Wow, coach. So you, after the third game, you said, 
this isn't working. I have to do something different. That is, coach, that takes a lot of guts to do that. It was, uh, you know, commerce is such a great place and believes we, we have great community here that loves football and our kids work hard and it's a smash mouth town. I mean, we, we love smash mouth football and, you know, running inside veer, outside veer, midline, and just getting after people was the way we've done it. And we just, we just didn't have the, the right personnel. We had some young tailbacks. We had a kid who rushed for a thought. He rushed for 1400 yards as a freshman. His name's Jaden Daniels. This year he rushed for 1500 and, you know, just having him as a slot wasn't wise. Um, Mm -hmm. You put him back there in the eye, he could see things and, it took a lot of pressure off our quarterback. Um, you know, we we're just running power and ISO and trap and counter tray and a little bit outside zone. And it just, all of a sudden the quarterback got a lot more confident and we're still trying to find ways to run some triple with it. But, um, you know, it, it, it was a tough decision because, you know, there's, we're steeped in tradition here, but I think people bought into it and thankfully, when Coach Savage was here, he converted to that at one point. You may have heard of this guy. The all-time leading rusher in Georgia is from Commerce, Georgia. And his name is Monte Williams. He rushed for over 8,000 yards. Buddy. And, uh, Coach Savage went to the what they called the eye bone, and they, they got in a stacked eye. And so our community, you know, they welcomed it and uh, – but again, we had to keep it simple. You could start getting all creative and we could do this and we could do that. And it's like, no, let's keep it simple and let's be a downhill, hard-nosed football team. And, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about some of what we do and you've seen some of our film and we're pretty simple and that's what fits our kids. Yeah, it's interesting how different communities like different things. And... You and me, Coach, are on the same wavelength. Smash mouth, downhill. I'm an old offensive lineman. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, run the football, play action pass. And I think at, high, at the high school level, I think that's what you can hang your hat on probably every year. You can, you'll, have, you'll be able to do some variation of that. Yeah, I, I know those guys are there that throw it, and that's awesome. Throw it more than they run it. But I think it's a, that's not – the common theme in high school football. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Zach, I agree with you. I know our game has changed and I know everybody's trying to get players in space and and I understand and get that, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I still think at some point you're going to have to be able to run the football to win a championship. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to stop the run. And I think one thing that helps us is, you know, people aren't, when we line up and play against folks, they're not seeing what we do. And it's an advantage, the physical nature of what we do, the downhill style. You know, kids have been playing in seven-on-seven seven all summer, and, you know, you're you're in space all the time. And now all of a sudden, you know, that kid who's been out there covering all, all summer has to come down and play versus double tight and has to be on the line of scrimmage, mm. taking out a kick out that he hasn't seen ever before. and. So I, I think there's some advantages built into it, but, you know, obviously teams are running the spread and they're doing very well with it, but I agree with you. You know, I think, I think you can run the football even sometimes with, I'd say inferior, maybe personnel, 
if mm-hmm. you've got kids who are willing to work and are hard nosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, funny story, Coach. I, I had Coach McFar- Tim McFarlane on on the podcast a couple of years ago, and uh, he was at Blessed Trinity at the time. He told me they went to a seven old seven tournament and lined up in what I call con, so tight end right, twins away, eye backs, and the the team they were playing, their Mike linebacker was screaming that they didn't have enough people on the field. (laughs) 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 He he thought that was hilarious. I thought it was was hilarious too because, you know, they go to to 7-0-7s and line up in 21 personnel pro-I. But to your point, people don't see that as much anymore. And and I think to myself, well, it's eye formation. That's day one stuff, not to – a lot of high school players these days. No, it just, you know, there's some people here and I'm sure where you're at, I think the wing tee is still prevalent in high school football. And yes, mm-hmm. you know, that's a good hard nose, you know, football. Uh, but um, more and more teams obviously are in the shotgun and more and more teams are spreading you out and running RPOs and look, all that stuff is good. I think the challenge for you guys like you and I is, how do we get our teams prepared for what they're doing when we're smash mouth every day? Right. You know, so there's a fine line. I think that works both ways, but uh, I do think sometimes when you're a little inferior, you can make up a lot of ground with that hard nosed physical football. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I've seen it. It's, it paid off for us this year. We had some big wins this year against some very big, good football teams. We, we opened up the year this year, in South Carolina versus Southside Christian, they had won the previous two state titles. Uh, they had won 22 in a row, and it was a heck of a high school football game. Their, their coach is a great guy, great program, and, you know, we ended up beating them 21-17, and, you know, I have no doubt in my mind, Zach, that mm. it was because of what we do that, you know, it gave us a chance. And if we were trying to match them athlete for athlete, we would, we would have never been on the field. We'd have been, mm-hmm. you know, we'd have gotten knocked out early. So I do think that style of play can be very effective today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I shot you a text yesterday while Nebraska was playing Wisconsin. And I said, Wisconsin is putting on an eye clinic. And you could imagine Nebraska is playing in the Big Ten. And there's, you know, Iowa's, I guess, in the eye. But week in and week out, there's the end you know, 20 personnel, 10 personnel, and then here comes Wisconsin. <laughs> and Wisconsin is trying to – well, they're they're just saying, how many fullbacks can we put in the game and run the ball at you? You know, <laughs> like fullbacks, H-backs, whatever you want to call them, and get in the eye and run power and a lot of power versus Nebraska. And to your – but you were saying earlier how to – you know, how do you, how do you get your guys – to defend the spread. How do you practice that when you aren't that? Because you're going to see that obviously against the teams you play. Zach, that is a, that is really our biggest challenge. Um, You know, I think it's hard to mimic the good quarterbacks. Uh, Mm. That's the biggest challenge to me. And what I mean by that is their accuracy and the speed of their decisions and the speed of, getting rid of the ball. So I know when I was in Ohio, we played against Maddie Mock. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, my cousin, his name's Matt DeRazio. He, you know, he played in the arena league. He was a two-time MVP quarterback in the arena league. And I mean, I had Matt come out and I said, Matt, I don't have anyone that 
you know, not, he didn't gear up or anything, but he threw all of our seven on seven and it made a big difference. Our kids, you know, got a taste of that. So what I've tried to do the last few years is I try to get alumni to come out, you know, so that hmm. the kids can see a little more speed at receiver, get a good quarterback. We're fortunate here. Uh, we hired a young assistant here. Uh, Nate Ray played quarterback here, went and played college football and, you know, he gave us a great look this year. I mean, he could get rid of the ball and throw it all over the field because you don't want game night to be a shock to your kids about how fast the game's being played. So mm -hmm. we try to bring in alumni. We try to get a quarterback in there that can give us a look because without that, I, I get very nervous that game night, it's going to take us two quarters just to adjust to the speed of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We spend a lot of time in 707 during the weeks we play teams that are that throw it more. And I'll give up offensive time to make sure our, our secondary is ready to go. And it's seen those concepts. And it's, we have an assistant coach who played here at Buchanan. And has, he has a really good arm, uh, Coach Squires. And he'll play scout team quarterback, like you were saying, and just trying to give our guys that real picture before before game night hits. I think it's critical because if not, the tough thing about playing those teams, you can blink your eye, coach, and you're down 14-21 because they can score so fast. And right. I, that's where I always feel like we, we have to have our kids prepared for that because you can dig yourself in a hole pretty quick if you haven't. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, coach. So, coach, what is your style of defense? What do you prefer? What do you like to do? You know – I've mentioned my uncle Joe Vadini and Dan Durazio. My uncle Joe Vadini was a slant and angle 50 mm. guy forever. I always ran a slant and angle 50. Uh, you know, I, I believe in the odd front. I like covering the center in high school football. I think if you, you know, you got a nose guard that can draw a double team. I, I just think covering the center in high school football can create some problems. So we do run some even front here occasionally, uh, but um, in general, slant and angle 50, I like having two safeties as opposed to one. Mm -hmm. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility and, you know, how you can get an eighth guy in the box or even a ninth guy in the box. But at the same time, I like playing with four defensive backs, uh, especially in modern football. Um, I think it gives you the ability to get pressure too. Um, you know, some of these kids today, I think they're really good quarterbacks and they're very good in seven on seven, but you know this, some of them don't handle pressure well. So I think you've got to have some ability to get pressure on people to see, you know, can that kid handle it? Now you, you and I know that when you play those kids that can handle the pressure, those are the tough ones that, you know, they're making the right hot read. Uh, you know, they know the whole system. Like, you know, we, we got knocked out by Vandegrift over at Prince Avenue in the elite eight a few years ago. And you just had to tip your hat to the kid. You're giving him all these looks and heck he's well coached. He knows the system and he's making all the right choices. And when you're playing that kind of guy, it's tough. Yeah. You're probably going to lose to that guy anyway. So just give it your best shot. That's right. <laughs> you know, that's right. Oh my goodness. Well, coach, as we, we land the plane on the podcast, I would love some wisdom to a young from you to a young coach, somebody who's looking at getting in, getting into coaching, what are some things that you wish you you knew before you got into 
into, into this wonderful profession? Ooh, that's a great question, Coach. Uh, I think one thing I would say to young people today is just stay the course. Uh, you know, everybody wants to be a coordinator or have a position of importance right away. And I would encourage young coaches to slow down and it's more important to be with the right people than it is to climb the, the ladder in terms of positions. Uh, you know, I remember reading in Bo Schembechler's book, you know, it's better to have, you know, the right mentors than it is to have a position. And, and I truly believe that I, if I could do it all over again, coach, I was a head coach at 26 and I would, I would wait, I would have went and worked for some more people and, and learned more, uh, you know, whether it be special teams, offense or defense, you know, you don't understand mm. what you don't know until you're sitting in that captain's chair. Then all of a sudden you're like, whoa, you know, I, I, there's a lot of things I don't know. So I would encourage young coaches to, you know, get out there and seek good mentors. And then, uh, you know, what you and I were talking about prior to joining on the podcast is just keeping a healthy balance. Uh, I remember going to the convention one year when I was in the college coaching profession and I coach, I think the divorce rate amongst college coaches was something like 80%. And, mm. you know, I think keeping that balance uh, of being a family man, making time for your family. Uh, I think that's critical and, you know, still carrying on that, that responsibility is important because these young guys are watching what we're doing and they're seeing how we treat our family how we treat our wives and, you know, keeping that balance, I think is important. Uh, if, if you're going to stay in this, cause it goes back to what you said earlier, Zach, you know, it's all great. You're doing it you're burning it up for about five years and then you hit a wall and then where are you at? You know? Mm -hmm. So that would be another advice is, you know, just try and keep the balance as best as you can. Cause it can be all consuming and you just got to be careful about that. Mm -hmm. Coach, thank you for your wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I know that the listeners will as well. Zach, I appreciate you having me. It's been an honor. Um, I, uh, I've been thankful to be around great people and, uh, hopefully I've, you know, learned a few things from them and uh, I continue to learn and grow each day. And uh, I appreciate what you're doing for the coaching profession. And I look forward to talking more football with you. Well, absolutely coach. I will be texting you. We'll be, we'll be calling all off season. I can promise you that. All right, Zach. Thank you, sir.